This is the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on. Yeah, well, here we are. A little earlier than expected, but you could thank the, uh, the situation going on worldwide for uh, why I'm busting out of retirement. <laughs> I say that with great sarcasm, but it is true, you know. It's sarcastic, but, you know, there's a grain of truth to it. Uh, that's why I am back at the microphone right now. That's why I'm I'm doing this. Um, because I just wanted to, to share a few thoughts real quick on the coronavirus pandemic. And, uh, I mean, just, just the way I'm looking at it. So, number one, take this as a disclaimer. This is biased. 100% biased. This is my personal outlook. Just based on what I've been seeing... And uh, just my feelings on what's going on. So please don't take this as fact and don't take this as any sort of expert medical advice because it's not. So, you know, four nights a week I've been at the microphone and I've been doing what I've wanted to do. It's uh, I repurpose the music shows that I've been doing so I can uh, dedicate them to news reports on the virus. And I mean, I've been almost to the point of uh, obsessively. I've been following this uh, pandemic since mid-January, you know, back when this was was just in Wuhan. And, uh, well, look at what happened. And to tell you the truth, I think this is a huge crisis uh, to the point where it's going to end up being a global disaster. And it's multifaceted. That's the thing that people forget. If this virus didn't even exist, and you saw the economic impact, people would still be, uh, you know, worried over this. Just if you saw the economy collapsing the way that it is. And then you have a deadly pandemic on top of it, that's not good. I'm not going to sugarcoat things. And some people won't like it, but... This is just my opinion. Yes, the situation isn't good right now. And I'm not going to say what I think could happen, but look at what's happening in Italy. The U.S. blew it. That's all that I can say. To think, in this world where we have total global connectivity... That despite these authoritarian regimes that try to suppress information, videos still get out. People still find a way to to get through the cracks. You had these brave whistleblowers out of China that were there that tried to warn people. You saw all the anecdotal evidence. 700 million people on lockdown. You saw the videos from the hospitals, you saw the reports, you saw the -the on-the-ground reports. And did anyone, you know, on the individual level, maybe some people did. But on a government level, did anyone really do anything? Maybe a few countries did, a select few. Truly, they should be regarded as, you know, a shining beacon of light to say... If the coronavirus hits your country, you can still get past this. And we will. That's another thing that I should mention. 
This is not an extinction event. And this is not Armageddon and is not the end of the world. But are we going to get put through the ringer? Absolutely. And again, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Are things going to get worse before they get better? I, I, I highly suspect that they will. But are things going to get better? Yes, they will. They most certainly will. More work is being done right now on a vaccine, on a treatment, probably than has ever been done before. It's not going to happen overnight, probably for 2021. But work is being done. People are finally starting to be a little bit more hygienic. Uh, people are beginning to practice social distancing. Cleanliness is being taken into account, and the doctors, the nurses, the hospital workers, the first responders are doing their best to keep this system from crashing. They're really doing their best. But it's a tough situation. A global pandemic, especially a severe one, is not something that many governments are prepared for, really, if any. And I was talking about this earlier on the shortwave, that one issue I think a lot of people have is that the way so many of these supposed, I say that sarcastically, if you could see me on video, there'd be quotes, you know, air quotes, around supposed, because that's how some people treat them, these supposed, um, whatever you want to call them, events, happenings, whatever, that there's this, there's this ideology that nothing ever happens, nothing ever comes to fruition. You know, that hurricane that's supposed to hit, right? Hurricane, now let's go back to Hurricane Dorian. And it's so, it's such a misguided outlook. But it's, you know, what can you do? It's just a product of, of the, way, the way the world is, of how society is. Hurricane Dorian, you know... There were early reports it was going to hit Florida very, very hard. Doesn't hit Florida at all, really, aside from some, uh, you know, some some showers, a couple breeze, a couple breezes, but that's it. Bahamas got destroyed, at least part of the Bahamas. But hey, it wasn't as bad as it was in Florida, right? So they were wrong. Some people say. Hurricane Irma, well, it weakened before it, it hit Florida, but I thought they said it was going to be a Category 5, so they were wrong. It wasn't as bad as it was supposed to be, right? You know, you see people that say, oh, um, there were wildfires. Yeah, but my house didn't burn down, so obviously they blew it out of proportion. It was all hype. Oh, when uh, Soleimani got killed, uh, World War III didn't happen, so that was all hype. SARS never became uh, a thing. Ebola never became a global pandemic. MERS never became a massive epidemic. H1N1 swine flu, despite being a pandemic, never brought the, the world down to a screeching halt. So some people, it's like, they don't take things seriously. So then what happens when something really does have an impact on you? You know, people get blindsided. And it's something that I've been trying to say for months and months and months. That a lot of the time, while, while a certain event or a certain disaster or whatever you want to call it, 
maybe more often than not, it's not as bad as they say that it is, where you, you are just fortunate enough that you do not get hit with that full-blown impact. Just because you got lucky doesn't mean it was never an issue and that nothing ever happens. That's simply not true. With Hurricane Dorian, sure, much of the U.S. was spared from it, but the Bahamas were destroyed. With Hurricane Irma, maybe many residents across Florida were okay, but in certain coastal areas, the impact was very different. Look at the wildfires that happened in Australia. The, the outcome speaks for itself. And with Soleimani, while World War III was averted, it's easy to say that nothing happened when we're sitting here at home. The situation is a ver- very different in the Middle East. With SARS, we still forget about the hundreds of people who died from it. Ebola, we forget about the thousands who died. With swine flu, we forget about the tens of thousands who died. But the coronavirus is no joke. It never has been and it never will be. Uh, It's the real deal. And the only thing I think someone could even compare this to at this point is the Spanish flu. It's not to say that it would uh, get to that point, but that's the only thing that it could be compared to at this point. It's no joke. And the fact that it was brushed off and laughed at for so long is just disappointing. It's all that I can say, and talking about it, I know right now, isn't going to change anything. Right? The past is written history. What's done is done. But right now, we can still do our part to try to curb the spread of this thing. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I I just wish more people had taken this seriously from the beginning. You know, but then... I know that asks the question, how could you take it seriously when the whole system around you never did until it was too late, right? Because if you wanted to take it seriously from the beginning, practice social distancing, there goes your job. What can you do then? How can you pay the bills? Right? That's the problem. Sometimes if you want things to work, and you want things to go smoothly, it's a, it's a collaborative effort. It takes teamwork. And how can that happen when no one else seems to care? Now, thankfully, today, more people are, but that's one of the problems that that's why the situation is going to get the, the way that it's going to get in the U.S. Because of this ideology that it can never happen to me. That it will never affect me. Never will until, well, until it does. Now, that's something that we're all guilty of. That's something that I'm guilty of myself. I say that because I've sat here and I've given lecture after lecture after lecture about the unpredictability of life. That you don't know what's going to happen. That life is finite and you just don't know. You just don't know. But in November, when I found myself in the back of an ambulance, you better believe I was still blindsided. Despite having talked about it so much, I never saw it coming. Never knew that one day I I easily could have died. Despite having been one to talk about trying to make the most of things for so long and in such great detail.
I'm very guilty of that. And I will say that first and foremost. I think everyone has that mindset, to tell you the truth. Because it's just how we are. We can't, you know, it's, it's just the way of the world. That's the only, the only good answer I have anyway. But, you know, with, with the past being what it is, there's still things we can do going forward that can help, that can help curb the spread of this. Because right now, I mean, let me just read off a couple numbers for you. Let's, let's look right now. Number one, a couple good uh, resources that I highly recommend uh, checking for updated case reports, updated information, um, bnonews.com, that's bnonews.com. They try to update as best they can. Uh, another good site is Worldometers uh, that tracks a number of cases. And uh, there's a stream on, uh, on YouTube uh, whose credibility is uh, very, very debatable, but it's called Roy Labs Stats. So take that for what you will, but they try to do a live count of it um, as well. But the spread is global. Uh, right now there's about 345,000 cases and uh, 15,000 deaths. Uh, Europe is now the new epicenter. It has been for a while. The situation in Italy is very grave, and uh, the number of cases in the United States is uh, greatly increasing, and uh, the situation is um, is not looking the best for Spain, either. Some other good resources to follow. If you're a uh, Reddit user, I'd recommend the subreddit uh, coronavirus. That's an easy one to remember, just coronavirus that has the updated facts, figures, um, news stories, etc. about this around the clock. Another good um, resource on YouTube is uh, Agenda Free TV. Steve Luckner, he, he's great. He's fantastic. He does a great job. And uh, also for a more, um, you know, professional um, medical-based outlook, uh, I would recommend Dr. John Campbell. That's C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L. Dr. John Campbell on YouTube. Uh, he's a uh, he's over in the UK, and uh, he he is just very very well versed with this. And he's down to earth. He realizes he sees it for what it is from the start, and he's just been doing his best to try to keep people informed. He's another fantastic resource. He uploads every day. I recommend that you watch anything he puts out um, because he tells it like it is. But, you know, we're in a period of very, very rapid exponential growth. It took so long to get from zero to 100,000 cases. And it took a while to get from 100,000 to 200,000 cases. To get from 200,000 to 300,000 cases, it took three days. And to get from 300,000 to close to 350,000 cases, it took one day. That is exponential growth. And, you know, it's not to say that if you get the coronavirus, it's a death sentence. But it's a dice roll. So much to talk about. That's why I'm all over the place. But I hope, I hope you're trying to see where I'm going. I'm just loosely tying everything together. Um... You know, but one thing that I just want to say before I get into this next topic is that, number one, the coronavirus isn't a death sentence, but if you get it, it's a dice roll. That's all that I can tell you. 
anyone who says that it's only going to affect old people, not only, I think, is that highly disrespectful, but it is simply false. It's no better than saying that the virus is fake. Because the virus can put you in a very, very bad spot, even if you're young. And I'm not trying to say that to fearmonger. I'm not trying to say that to scare anyone. I'm saying that because that's simply the truth. And that is verifiable information coming from the World Health Organization, the U.S. government, Western European governments, and countless medical experts and professionals. If you're young, you can still wind up in the hospital, you can still wind up in the ICU, or worse. The virus simply is. There is not one group of people who is immune to it, or who is less susceptible to it. The virus will infect who it infects. It doesn't care if you're a professional athlete, or a politician, or a movie star, or a famous singer, or a blue-collar worker, or someone who's unemployed and homeless. It doesn't care. The virus simply is. With that said, however, if you get the virus and you test positive, it doesn't mean you're going to die. But can, can the virus put you in a bad spot? For a couple days, either way, it certainly can. Can the virus put you in the hospital? Yes, it can. But can you get the virus and just feel like you have a cold for a couple days and then be all right? Yeah. And could you have the virus and not even feel a single thing? Yes, indeed. All of these things. You can be asymptomatic. You can have a mild case. You can have a moderate case, which could still be treatable from home. Or you could have a severe case where you'll be in the hospital. Any of those things. Now, of course, individuals who have weaker immune systems are more susceptible to getting a severe case. But this still does not mean it's a death sentence. But the virus is simply going to infect who it infects. Unfortunately, though, the hospitalization rate of this virus is higher. Much, much higher than the flu. As a result, uh, there are fears about the medical system reaching its capacity and then exceeding its capacity. And then you're going to have a situation like what we're seeing in Italy, where you're having a wartime triage being carried out, where they have to make the god-awful decision of who gets these life-saving ventilators and who doesn't. And someone might say, well... Understanding this, in terms of logistics and, you know, is there anything that we can do? Is there anything that can be done to try to stop that from ever happening in my country? The good news is that there is. And it's a very easy thing to do at that. There's a term for it. It's called flattening the curve. Because as the number of cases goes up, you know, think of it as like a line graph. Have the number of cases going up. You also have a horizontal line at a certain point that marks the capacity of the medical system. Eventually, if the number of cases is going up rapidly enough, let's say it's going up almost vertical growth, you know, like the, the hockey stick exponential growth, right? Eventually, it will exceed that line and it will go past the medical capacity. And then you're going to have a really, really nasty situation. 
When they say flatten the curve, they mean to try to slow down that exponential growth and make it more gradual rather than exponential. And there's ways that can be done, very, very simple ways. Really, anyone can do. Number one, be more hygienic. Have to wash your hands. Like that, that, like that hasn't been said enough, but you have to. 20, 30 seconds at least, you know? There's plenty of little songs you can memorize and little tunes you can hum or listen to or whatever helps you time yourself. But there's very detailed guides online as to how you can wash your hands properly, what you can do to ensure that they stay clean. Use hand sanitizer. Make sure you, you keep them clean, keep them sanitized. Regularly clean and disinfect the, the very high-contact surfaces in your home or your apartment or your condo or wherever you live. It's another important thing to do. Stay healthy, try to eat well, and most importantly, practice social distancing. If there's one thing, probably the best thing you can do, practice social distancing. If you're able to, then do it. Stay inside and don't go outside unless you have to, or if you feel like you're able to, and uh, you know you maybe won't have to go to a, a very crowded area if you're in a very rural location, but if you're in a if you're in a crowded area, stay inside. Social distance, right? Stay in. Don't go out unless you have to. Don't go to stores, don't go to restaurants. Uh, don't go to theaters, don't go to entertainment venues. Uh, you know, if you can do remote online work, work from home. If you can go to school online, which a lot of places are doing now, uh, do it. And it does make me happy when I see that, you know, some states are shutting down and are saying schools need to close down. Um, businesses, if you can work from home, do it. Because social distancing is one of the best things anyone could ever do. What it does is it prevents the risk of you getting infected. Also, unfortunately, if you have it, maybe you don't know, maybe you're asymptomatic, prevents the spread of it as well. You know, in terms of food, see if you can get groceries delivered. See if you can get any food delivered. Right? Delivery, delivery, delivery. And you know, if I ever get anything delivered, I say don't ring the doorbell, and I leave it outside the door. Right? The less contact you can possibly have, the better. Disinfect things, disinfect surfaces, don't touch your face. All of these things, the best things you can do. Social distancing, such an important measure that every one of us can take. Are these things fun? For a lot of people, no, they're not. But it needs to be done. While we would, you know, maybe we want the bars to reopen or the clubs to reopen or the theaters to reopen or whatever it is. They need to stay closed for the foreseeable future if we want this thing to end. That's the only way that it's going to work. This isn't something that's going to change overnight. But measures like this help. Social distancing measures help flatten the curve, slow the growth of this pandemic, and allow the medical system to continue functioning. So God forbid if you get this, or if a friend of yours gets this, or a family member gets this, and if they are unfortunate and they get a severe case, 
they can still go to the hospital and they can still get that treatment that can help them and it may be the difference between life or death. And social distancing can make all the difference. Do your part. Please, if there's one thing that I ask, please, please do it if you can. Sometimes there's situations where it feels like there's nothing that I can do that's going to change it. Nothing I can do that will contribute to it positively. It's like, what does it matter? There's so many people out there who um, seem to go the other way and don't do anything. It's like, what, is, what, is it, what does it matter for my effort to, to do anything? Why bother? This is one of those situations where every last living person can make an impact and make a world of difference. And it's so simple. Stay inside. Sit on the couch. Sleep in. Play games. Read a book. Watch TV. Do whatever you want. Just stay inside. And there's so many things we can do to pass the time. I'd say that's a pretty easy thing to do. And something as simple like that can make such huge impact. And it's fantastic to see, but we all need to do this. We all need to do it collectively. We need to do it together. And through actions like that, we can and will get through this. Earlier in the broadcast, I got a little sidetracked. There are countries who are already winning the fight against the coronavirus. I'm not going to talk about China because I just don't... <laughs> you know, we won't, we won't even go there. <clears throat> but other countries whose information is verifiable, like Singapore, Taiwan, South Korea, they are winning the fight against this thing because they're testing people, they're isolating close contacts, they have a fast response, more people there wear masks, and people are taking it seriously. And while many of those things, I think, uh, have been lacking for a long time, across the West, it's never too late for things to change. And if, if the situation seems very grim, because look, it's very easy to become horribly despondent in these times, I know. Trust me. It's a, it's a, it's a terrible, terrible thing. But if it feels like all hope is lost, look at these countries and just remember, it is possible to bounce back from this, to recover from this. They have. It's getting better over there. Eventually, things will get better across Europe and North America as well. Two other things I just wanted to talk about real quick. Uh, number one, lockdowns and quarantines. It's something that a lot of people fear. It, I, I don't think people should be, should be scared of them, to tell you the truth. Uh, and while many of us, I think, have never seen or have been, you know, under a lockdown like this, this stuff, it's, it's never happened in anyone's lifetime, really. And I think eventually, and I'll give a prediction right now, I think the U.S. will eventually uh, get to the point where there will be military-enforced lockdowns. And I know that's a very, very big thing to say, but eventually, I think I could see it getting to that point eventually. You know, maybe it never will, but it's a possibility you need to be ready for. But, you know, while these lockdowns can be intimidating, and while the word quarantine uh, is, is, is an intimidating one, 
I think we get the wrong image in our mind uh, when we hear such terms. And, uh, you know, you have these images of whatever, these <laughs> soldiers in hazmat suits, um, manhandling everyone, and, and uh, all this stuff. But that's just not the case. Many of these lockdowns, uh, curfews, quarantines, whatever it ends up being, are done to protect you. So that this disease does not spread any further to try to flatten that curve, to try to slow the spread, and keep that medical system afloat. These are protective measures done for that purpose. It's not being done to punish the population. It's not being done to try to hurt you or me. If anything, it's trying to be done to save our lives. And, you know, there are still exceptions. You're not being left to rot. You're not being left to just sit inside and die. You can still get food. You can still get supplies. The supply lines are not down. Yes, people went out. They panic bought a lot of toilet paper. There were actual fights over the toilet paper. All of that stuff. You can still get it. You can still get food. You can still get... Uh, even medicines, the pharmacies are still open. You can still get taken care of. And all of these places are still open, even during uh, the strictest of quarantines, because there are exceptions for uh, essential businesses. So that's just one thing about, uh, you know, quarantines and all of that that I just wanted to say. It is not something that we should be fearful of, because it's not there to hurt us. That's, that's all that I can say. It's not there to hurt us. Some people, you know, they won't like what I'm saying, but that's just my opinion, and I stand by it. 100%. I'm not going to back down from that. On one uh, final note that I just wanted to talk about real quick, uh, mask wearing. You know, this is another thing where I am going to cast my lot very clearly. And yes, I am going to, uh, to say masks are effective. They always have been. You need to know what you're doing with one, number one. You need to be able to wear it correctly and handle it correctly. Masks do work. However, the reason why there is such a media blitz going on that said, oh, they're ineffective, never wear them, etc., is because the U.S. was so ill-equipped to deal with something like this that there was literally no... Uh, protective equipment available for hospitals. The problem shouldn't be, and this is where everyone went so wrong, in my opinion, the problem shouldn't be if the masks are ineffective or not, because that just put a complete lie in so many people's heads. That, oh, they don't protect anyone, uh, and then, God forbid, if you wear a mask in public, you... You know what, I'm not even... It makes me very angry. Let's not even go there. That isn't the issue. And I wish that people weren't getting so pissed off and so furious at someone for wearing a mask and shaming them for that. They should be focusing on the fact that they are not available for the people, especially the hospital workers. Yes, they need it most. They most certainly do. And people should have been focusing, instead of saying, punish the person who's wearing one in public, they should have been saying, 
we need to ramp up production exponentially. That's what should have been said. That's another thing that I think we went wrong with. Thankfully, more masks are finally being made. And the one company, 3M, really good on them, is uh, finally uh, a shipment of 500,000 masks. is on the way to New York and Seattle, going to arrive tomorrow. 35 million more are on the way. So, I mean, they're really ramping up production of them, which is good. Uh, because they need to be made. But on the individual level, um, masks do work. And they work if you're sick. They work if you're well. (laughs) They are effective. And if every single person did wear a mask, uh, it really would help curb the spread. But again, let's be real. Let's, Let's get back to reality. The U.S. is still not equipped for this. And there aren't enough masks. So... I just wish that people took a legitimate problem and they twisted it and gave the wrong impression. Masks do work, but there is a huge shortage of them across the U.S. There still is. Therefore, they should be, uh, you know, preferred anyway for hospitals and medical staff. But that's just what gets me. It's not like they're ineffective. This, they are effective. But just the hospitals need the most because they're the ones that uh, really are going to be on the front lines every single day and need that protection. Now, in terms of owning masks, I would say they're very, very hard to find to begin with. But, you know, if you have five, you have ten, there's nothing wrong with that. If you stocked up on a thousand, uh, yes, I would recommend you donate a bulk of them to the hospital. And I think that is an issue to just stockpile them, like, to that extent. Or if you took them to resell, that's, you know, that's another story. But to have a couple to wear every day, I encourage wearing masks. But again, if you have them now, you have them. Wear them at your discretion. If you are a high-risk individual, it might be very wise to wear one, especially if you're in a a high-population area and you need to go out. If you're in New York City and you're immunocompromised and getting this virus could be a big issue, I would say it might be a very good idea to go outside wearing an N95 mask and some gloves if you have them. And if you're not feeling well, wear a surgical mask. And a surgical mask is better than nothing. And it could still offer protection, um, but also a surgical mask is good if you're not feeling well. Uh, Be that if you have a cold, if you have the flu, or if you have the coronavirus, it prevents you from spreading whatever it is that you've got to someone else. Whereas an N95 mask uh, is exclusively to protect yourself. But again, a surgical mask is another thing. It's not ineffective, but it doesn't offer as much protection as an N95 mask. And again, a surgical mask is better for someone to wear if they are not feeling well themselves. And, uh, you know, masks aren't really worn that often here in the U.S., so I just wanted to talk uh, for a couple more minutes about how to wear one properly, and uh, we'll end the show after that. An N95 mask is pretty self-explanatory. Usually it's white. It could be in any color, but usually it's white. It's usually circular, or sometimes it's an oval. 
the way that it is, you could very easily tell which side is the front, which side isn't. You could easily tell which part goes on your face. You always put it on your face so much that at the very top of the mask, it's usually shaped to conform around your nose and there's a little bit of a metal strip. You put that where the metal strip is at the top, you put that over your nose and you bend the metal strip so that it's just able to conform to the shape of your nose and have that snug fit. You take the bands that are around the mask, usually two of them, put it around your head and make sure that it's tight. An N95 mask is not gonna be comfortable. It might pinch your face a bit. Uh, you might feel a bit warm when you breathe, but that's exactly what you want when you wear an N95 mask. A tight seal. Now that is the right mask that will protect uh, you or a medical worker or whoever, the N95, because it has that tight seal that prevents that bacteria from the outside, those viruses, whatever, from getting in. When you wear it, though, again, it's going to be uncomfortable, and you're going to have a tendency to want to touch it. You're going to want to adjust it. Uh, you know, it might, because it may not be the most breathable thing, might feel a little good to kind of just move it around a little bit so a little bit of outside air kind of goes in and it feels a little cool on your face and a little bit more comfortable, but you have to resist that urge. Once it's on, try not to adjust it, try not to touch it, especially don't touch the front of it. And if you do touch your mask, remember, wash your hands afterward because treat it as if it's covered in contaminated material. That's just the ideology that you've got to have. So remember, wash your hands, um, put hand sanitizer on. Whatever you do, don't touch your mask and then touch your eyes right afterwards um, because that's not, that's not good. So do not touch the mask once you have it on. When you're ready to take it off, just remove it through the straps, right? Take it off, throw it immediately in a closed bin, and uh, then wash your hands again right afterward. Hand hygiene. A surgical mask is a little more complicated um, because, you know, both sides usually look the same, although one side might be blue and the other side might be white. So a surgical mask can look a little trickier, but it's very easy to, to know how that works too. A surgical mask, again, is best worn if you have... Um, you know, if you feel sick or you don't feel the best and you don't want to spread whatever it is that you've got to anyone else. If you're not feeling well, at this point, I would wear a surgical mask at all times uh, if you're outside, out and about, or interacting with anyone else. And, you know, if you want to wear a surgical mask for protection, I uh, just don't count on it to, uh, you know, <laughs> to, to save you. Again, something is better than nothing. But that's a choice that I would suggest you make. You know, that's, that's up to you. But a surgical mask can still help, but you have to make sure that you wear it the right way. I always like the way the surgical masks look. I love the pleats in the front and all of that. It's just, <laughs> that's a tangent. But anyway, number one, if the mask has two colors, if one side is blue, and the other side is white. When you wear it, always make sure that the blue is on the outside, facing out, and the white is what's on the inside that you're gonna have against your face. 
So remember, for a surgical mask, the blue is on the outside. The white is on the inside. And for a surgical mask, you can differentiate which side is the top and which side is the bottom. Because even with the surgical mask, there's a tiny little piece of metal wire on the inside on the top that you put the surgical mask on, and then you can form that metal wire around to the shape of your nose. You gotta pinch it to ensure a better fit. So if the mask is, again, has two sides, the blue side always faces out, and you have the side where the metal wire is at the top, that's what goes up against the nose. So that's how you could wear it properly. If the mask is white on both sides, again, you just have to make sure that that metal wire, that is what's on top, and then look at where the little uh, strings that, you know, is what you put around your ears. What side of the mask do they come out of? That is the side that you put on your face. And that's how you can tell for a mask that is not multicolored which side you wear out and which you don't. So you put the mask on, you put the two loops behind your ears, you pinch the wire at the top of the mask around your nose, and then from the bottom you just pull the mask down, then the pleats kind of unfold like an accordion, pull it down so it covers your mouth, um, of course your nose, and uh, your chin. You kind of pull it down to around uh, wherever it stops, usually around your neck, to ensure as snug of a fit as possible. One thing to remember with the um, surgical masks, it has to cover your nose and your mouth. I've seen pictures of people wearing them where the, ma the mask is only over their mouth. It has to be over uh, your nose as well, or it's ineffective. It's If you wear it where it's only covering your mouth and not your nose, uh, you're pretty much better off not even wearing a mask at all, because it's it still has that risk. Secondly, and this works for both masks, you could easily talk through them. You can easily talk through each mask. Totally doable. The surgical masks are more comfortable, and I say this from experience. I've worn I've worn them. Um, because I haven't been feeling the best. I don't want to make anyone else sick with uh, whatever it is that I've I've had something the entire month. And, uh, you know, so I, that's why I wear them. I've had them for a long time. And, uh, yeah, they're comfortable. You could easily talk through them. You can talk through the N95 masks, too. So don't remove them and pull them down so you can talk to someone better. You know, I've seen uh, doctors do that, and that's just not the best thing to do. And then similar to the N95 masks, just uh, don't touch them. If you do, just wash your hands. And then when you remove the surgical mask, remember, just take them by the little ear loops, throw it in a closed bin, and wash your hands. I just wanted to uh, come in, do this little bit of a show with uh, just some, some information, some discussion, and uh, some tips uh, and points that have been on my mind about the coronavirus pandemic. We're going to get through this. We all will. We're all in this together. We have to work through this together. We have to put aside our differences, too. We have to put aside, especially in this partisan world, we have to put aside our differences and work together if we want to get through this thing. But we're going to make it through this. Things will eventually get better. They will. Um, but, you know, this may be a long-duration event. The economy, that's for another day, but... Economic downturn, too. 
But we just have to come together in these times of crisis. We will make it through this. Be informed. Be safe. Be hygienic. Practice that social distancing. Take care of yourself. Please retain your civility. And if your area gets put under lockdown or quarantine or curfew or whatever happens, unless you really need supplies or you really need food or you need medical assistance, please respect those orders, please. But we will get through this. These are unprecedented times. It's a global crisis. But we will make it through. We all will. And while things will get worse before they get better, they will get better as well. That they will. If you want to listen to more of my programming, I do my radio shows every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday evening. Each one has 20 minutes of uh, just continuous news and coverage on the virus, and uh, then 40 minutes of good music uh, to help just unwind and uh, just maybe a little bit of a means of distraction in these these dark, dark times. You can access them via TuneIn Radio or Shortwave, or you can find them at patreon.com slash the report of the week. If you want a broadcast schedule for that, look no further than the description of this uh, program. And if you want other information, I have nothing to do. I'll, I'll get to any email I can. So you can write in for a schedule request. I'll be happy to help you. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Stay strong through this, because we'll make it through. Take care. This is V-O-R-W.